you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. So, hey, guess what? I am so grateful to be able to bring the Word of God to you this morning. I am so grateful. Uh, It is an honor and a privilege. I want to start out by saying something to you all. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I've got notes and stuff, but you know what? Here's the deal. I honor you. I honor you. I want you to know that. Um, it's Pastor's Appreciation Day, but I honor you. The Lord said to me before even writing this message is that you are very, very desirable to him. You are an honorable people. And for me, it's an honor to bring the word of God to you and trust it with, with that. So I want you guys to know that you are so part of what God is doing in this community. Man, I have not had, oh man, I just love it. Just the, the amount of words that came to me while we, were, while we were worshiping, man, it's been so long. I even got a rebuke from the Lord by a beautiful sister of mine. Isn't that incredible? Hey, what's the deal, guys? A rebuke is good. God, because God disciplines his children, those that he loves, right? Let me tell you, God wants to share with you something pretty significant. I want to start off by asking you, well, let me, I'll ask you a question in a second, but I kind of want to give you a little bit of a backstory as to what this message is about today. We have been going through, uh, started this new series called Future Church, and what the future of the church is going to look like. Like that. (laughs) We have a young generation rising up and not engaging with the body of Christ. And there's a reason. Over a generation, we've seen 30 years, people, statistics, analysts, pastoral think tanks, trying to figure out why do people leave the church? I've got the answer. (laughs) Can you believe it? (laughs) They didn't ask me. (laughs) I've got the answer. We're going to get to that. Before I, before I kick things off, though, I want to pray. Father God, we just come before you right now and, and uh, humbly just say we are grateful to be in your presence because there is no other place to be. We ask that as, as the word gets spoken, as Jesus, I'm just here for you. And these people are here for you, for your purposes, because, God, you're good. I pray that the word penetrates the heart today. 
I pray that there will be a change in the actions of every believer from this day forward in Jesus' name. And that our worship continues into the message. We thank you, mighty God. Glory to you, Lord. Amen. So, I want to ask you a question. What kind of garden are you keeping? What kind of garden are you keeping? Strange question to ask in the middle of a church service, guys. I know. I get it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here are gardeners? See some hands? Okay, a few. Yeah. All right. How about farmers? Totally different level. Farmers, gardeners. Hey, gardeners are great. There's nothing wrong. Rose bushes are cute. You know, uh, you got your flowers in the front of your, your house. You got your backyard. If you really love it, I like wildflowers myself. They just pop up and, you know, you don't have to do anything. This is my favorite kind of garden right there. But I'll tell you this. Um, in a generation, we've, we've come so far technologically that you and I, can go to the grocery store and pick anything that we want in or out of season, even in the dead of negative 22 degree winter. We've lost what it means to plow, to sow seeds, to water, and to harvest in the right seasons. This is what the Lord wanted me to ask you guys. What kind of garden are you keeping? This is the garden. This church is a garden. There is soil here that needs to be cultivated. There, is, there are seeds that need to be sown. But what kind of garden are you keeping? Jesus used so many different uh, parables and stories through the New Testament, through the Gospels, to communicate the kingdom of God to everyday people like you and me. Think about it. Jesus, the King of kings, God's son, a spiritual but very human entity of, of who God is living among us, telling us, trying to communicate to you and I what the kingdom of God is all about. So he used a lot. He used his own creation to help us understand how things happen in the supernatural. Did you know that all creation, all creation points back to the glory of God and how things grow in the supernatural? Just look around you. That's why I love the sciences, and I love to see how things work. It's mind-blowing. It brings us back to who God is. So, what kind of seeds are you sowing? It, it all comes back to the individual. Yes, as pastors, here's the thing. Pastors definitely spend a lot of time thinking about this, praying about this, 
asking God, where do you want the church to go, Father? How do we, how do we reach the next generation? How do we reach these people? You know, and I, unfortunately, I've seen pastors go so far as to say, guys, we need more lights. That's what we could do to get the next generation. What? Well, I've seen people say, well, maybe if we all wear skinny jeans and flannel, that maybe we'll get the next generation. No, no, actually, that's not how it works. That's how none of this works. The reality is, is there are things that you could do to make a church attractive. Praise God for lights. I don't know about you, but I love serving on the lighting panel. I typically have to serve because there's no one else in there. But guess what? It's cool. Because I feel like Mozart or like Beethoven playing with the lights. If you guys get blinded, that's usually me. You could say, Jorgen, that, those blinders were too bright. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yes, they were. And it just, from my perspective, you guys all look so cool. Because <laughs> I'm behind you, and the lights are going, and you guys look awesome just worshiping God. But the deal is this. Those things are external. Those are art forms. They are not the thing. Right? The thing is you. Here's the deal. You can make a church attractive from the physical, from the physical thing, but what needs to be attractive is you. So what happens is that you have generations of churches trying to be cool, trying to look good, trying to be highly proficient, highly programmatic, smooth. Yeah, worship's awesome. And then we have people that come into the church, look around, and leave. What kind of seeds are you sowing? We cannot get behind a vision for a church and hope to impact the church of tomorrow if we are not sowing the right kind of seeds today. That's spiritual. That's also in the natural. You can't have a beautiful cornfield if you didn't go out and plant corn for it first. If you planted peppers and you hate peppers, and you're like, dang, why is there no corn anywhere? My, my garden is like full of these tiny little pepper plants and I can't do anything with them. Well, it's because you planted peppers, guys. You planted the wrong seed. Everybody open up to second. Uh, yeah, second. Forgive me. Titus 2. There's no first or second Titus. Just to let you guys know. <laughs> Titus is a very, very small, short book. Titus 2, if you got the digital, it's a lot faster than finding it in your book. But it's right after 2 Timothy, directly after 2 Timothy. I don't have much time, but this is really important. And I do believe that God really wants people to respond. 
to what we're about to read. It's really funny, I apologize, I'm getting over a cold. The moment you go to preach something that Jesus wants you to share, the enemy likes to say, I'm going to make it difficult for you. But it doesn't hold me back because of what Jesus is doing here. And I want that same authority to be in you. So if you have your your thumb in uh, Titus 2, I want to read a few things to you. One is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That is the fruit of good seeds that's been planted. That's the fruit that needs to be in this place. Write that down, Galatians 5, 23. Read it over and over and over and ask God to reveal what are those seeds that you need to plant. And I'll, we'll get there. I have a few things that I need to share with you. The next generation is watching you. I find it interesting uh, with the Generation Z people. Gen Z is very uh, special because this is the first generation that has no tie to Christianity as a whole. The first generation that is truly post-Christian. Gen Z, many of them, most of them have never heard the name Jesus. Many of them, most of them don't know, unless they're plugged into a church, they've never heard a Bible story. So when leaders from Gen Z start popping into your church, and you start preaching to them, and you use things like Noah and the ark and the flood and Abraham and, and uh, you know, Moses and, and these incredible stories of the Old Testament that when I was little, I got drilled on over and over and over these things. Amazing miracles, amazing stories. They have never heard anything to that. It's a great opportunity for the church to be again missionaries in a new land. That's what we have in front of us. But as people are coming into the church looking for hope, looking for a place to turn, honestly, they're not even thinking church. They're not even thinking church. But that's why Jesus has you here. Your perspective will change the way that you act. 
your perspective, the way that you see the world will determine the way that you act. If all you see is yourself a fighting Christian for your own salvation, coming to church, looking for hope, all of that's good. But if all you see yourself is someone in a chair being fed something every Sunday, sinning, coming back to church, going out sinning, coming back to church, let me tell you this, that's not how that works. God has you here because he has called you to himself a royal priesthood, a set-apart nation. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's who you are. What do people like that do? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What do, what do people like that do? What do Christians do? Are they politically active in, in every Facebook thread in the world? Sadly, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that. People are watching you. The next generation is watching you. They're watching you how you react to one another. They're very mindful. I have a little Gen Z. I've got three. But I have one that really pays attention. Praise God for him. He keeps me on my toes. He's going to be a lawyer. I know this. He can argue the greatest argument. What is a parent compared to him? Equals. can't threaten them enough. <laughs> I'll tell you this. That's the group of people that are looking at you. They're watching. And that should be good. When the Lord spoke to me today while I was sitting in the front row, I got rebuked by the Lord in a loving way. Guys, we need to be oh, seeking that. Seek the discipline of the Lord. Pride gets in the way of that. Pride keeps us from being humble. Did you notice that humility is not something you grow in? You be humble. It's a do. It's an action. It's be humble. But he's also called us to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. James 13, uh, sorry, James 3.8. Sorry, say that again. James 3.18 says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
Do we want righteousness in this, in this house? Do we want people to walk through these doors and see genuine Christianity? Of course there are messes, and we keep our messes. We, we're very vocal. We're not perfect people, but we serve a loving and perfect God who is calling us out of the stuff, like First Peter 2 said, we are being called into a place of his marvelous light. How you perceive things, it will change the way you live. And this is what I'm praying for today. You are part of this church and you have an active role in seating. Don't look at the pastors. Yes, we have a job, clearly aware of the job that we have in front of us. When we are doing our part to seed, we're doing our part to repent. But each and every one of us in this room have a part to play of plowing, of seeding, of watering. And what would that look like? What does that actually look like? So in Ephesians 4.11, it actually says that he has given, Jesus has, uh, gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, all for the building up of the body. Some of you here, many of you will not identify with those things. But you're not off the hook because he's given the greatest privilege of the church this. And let me just say that he in the Old Testament, God in the Old Testament, continually passed this down from generation to generation, putting the emphasis on this. Listen to this. Titus 2, verse 2. Older men, you are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about this morning. I want you to think about yesterday. I want you to think about your weeks past. Was that you? Were you dignified? Were you self-controlled? Were you steadfast in love? Were you sober-minded? Older women. Can I just clarify one thing? The word older does not mean old. The word older does not mean old. <laughs> what it means is if you are older than the person next to you, you are older than that person. <laughs> That's what that means. So people who have lived a little bit longer than the other people beside you, take into account this. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent. Okay, I'm going to stop again. Older, you're always going to be older than someone, so that's really you. Okay? You kids that are older than the kids next to you, 
Okay, it does say women and does say men. Get it, I get it, I get it. But this is this blankets every single one of us in this church. So women likewise be, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. Clarity, clarity to this one. What does it mean to work at home? Raise your children. That's exactly what that means. And I'm telling you, if you're raising your children, that's work. And it's good work. It's the best work. It is. Also, men, you have a huge role in that. Be kind and submissive to their own husbands. What is that? It's love and respect. That the word of God may not be reviled. So our lives have an impact on how others see the word of God. Why is a world, the United States, struggling so hard with the religious culture versus the non-religious culture. It's because we've had too many religious people not being in this, not living this out. So if you would like to ask my professional opinion on what the problem is with the church, with people leaving the church is because they walked in and they didn't see holiness. They walked in and didn't see things that were good. They came around, they hung out, they listened to a few conversations and then went home. They seen the hypocrisy. Is it okay to say that we're all hypocrites in this house? I'm okay with that. I know where I'm pointed to. I know I make mistakes. <laughs> this is the hardest part, guys. Everybody is looking at generation. And I can't go into this church and present the gospel of Jesus Christ to you and have a messed up home with praise, praise God, I don't. But I will never put my kids on the altar because God didn't call that. He even didn't call that when I, Abraham asked Isaac up to the altar. When God asked Abraham to sacrifice his own son in obedience. And he's like, Okay, God's going to provide. God will provide. That's not the God I know, but I'll, I'll, I'll obey. No, he didn't do that. God did provide. But he, he said, how far are you going to go, Abraham? How far are you going to obey me? Abraham obeyed to the point of holding the knife over his own son. That's obedience. So, my family is my first garden. Your family is your first garden. If you are by yourselves in a home, by yourself, you are your garden. What are you doing to cultivate good seed here? Trust me, it all begins here. Now, here's an interesting thing. If 
You cultivate good seed here. Guess what? God spreads your influence. Can you imagine? Let's just say God begins to move in all of your lives and you begin to submit to the things of God. You begin to pursue the things of righteousness and you cast away all the things that have just been holding you down, weighing you down, just like what was prophesied today. The chains have been broken over your life. God has already done the work in you. Can you imagine if you went from this place of being weighed down into a place of fruitfulness where the peace of God overcomes your life and you shine so brightly that all of a sudden people start taking notice of you. Your influence grows. Can you imagine if we have a house of 300 amazing Instagrammers? <laughs> I just use that as, a, as a, a reference because people use different social media to influence towards God. I don't, don't even worry about Instagram. Think about your own life and the people that you are surrounded with today. You have been called a royal priesthood, a chosen people for him and his purposes, his possession. Can you imagine the influence that this church would have if that's what we're doing? You might say, but, you know, Jorgen, you don't, you don't understand. Like, I come from a really messed up background. I'm still working things out. Well, good. Join the club. That's what we're all about here. Praise Jesus that you're honest with yourself. It's the scary ones are the ones that don't have problems, or that you think they don't have problems, and they don't admit to it. Those are the ones that are really scary you got to stay away from. Okay? We are all in this process of being sanctified, changed into the likeness of God. He loves to create things, and he uses you. So a friend of mine said, the Lord told me, Jorgen, for you, for me, to pray for the tools back. As gardeners and farmers, we have tools that we love. It makes life so much easier. There are spiritual tools that we need to take a hold of. Our first and foremost tool is the Word of God. And you need to put this into action. It is no longer a conversation piece. It is an action piece. This is the sword that divides truth from what is not truth. It changes lives. It actually, you could read this and change someone's life immediately. Because it says through hearing comes the faith that creates a change in someone's heart. Belief. The moment that person grabs a hold of that. Do we want to impact New Hampshire? Do we want to be open-armed and welcoming to people coming in off the streets? Guys, they're not going to come off the street unless you bring them. Your circle of influence needs to grow. Your garden needs to grow. And I'll tell you what, I'm excited. A few things, real quick. I know I'm wicked long here. This is important. 
as you take someone alongside of you and you begin to mentor them, as you pour into someone else's life and you're tilling that soil in that person's life, that's what God has called us to do. From one generation to the next generation, time, take time. There are no instant converts into the relationship of Jesus Christ. There are, trust me, life change immediately when you say that you bow your knee to the love of Jesus Christ. But if you're expecting them to get up and preach on Sunday, that could happen. But you know, anything is real. But faith takes time. Jesus gave us the example of, in Matthew 13, gave us the example of the mustard seed. The mustard seed is tiny, 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 tiny. It's like this big. Over time, when that mustard seed grows, and we're talking a long time, that, that mustard tree is enormous. And it says that it's so big and so strong that it provides safety for all the birds of the air to come and perch on it. That's what an individual of strong faith is like. It takes time. Go the long haul with the people that you are ministering in their life. Faith is not overnight success. Here's the kicker. This is the family of God. Real, true family is of kingdom, is that of the kingdom. Real, true family is kingdom. Many of you guys are praying for family members to come to know Jesus and continue to pray. Continue to pray. But guess who is your true family? Jesus said it. Jesus said it in Matthew 12. He says, while he was out speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But then he replied to the man who told him this, who is my mother and my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and he said, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. This is a garden that you need to cultivate. So each and every one of you have a very significant part. Everybody, please stand to your feet. I want to just pray and commission each and every person in this room. There's a generation watching. And what is the most becoming thing to set your eyes on as a community of humility? And how do you get repentant, or how do you get humility? Is by taking on a heart of repentance. And repentance is saying, God, my way is not the right way. Your way is, and I want to turn my life towards you. We need to stop doing the things that it's all about us. We got to stop pursuing the things that make us feel important. We 
got to start start shifting. If you're looking for accreditation, there's only one person that you ought to be seeking after that person's accreditation, and that is that of the Holy Spirit. You need God. You need that relationship because God has already said, brother, sister, I love you. I love you. There's nothing that you need to win someone's approval, but to walk in the things that the Lord is setting forth before us. This truly needs is like a follow-up message or whatever to talk about the actual seeds that we could be actively planting. But just to let you know, if you go home wondering what the heck is that all about, open up your Bible and start reading, please. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to bring these things to light. I will tell you this, you begin to love God and love others, you'll have it figured out. Love the Lord your God and love others as yourself. Let those seeds begin. When you begin to repent and say, Jesus, I was wrong for the way I've been leaving, leading my life. God, I'm a Christian, and yet I'm still doing things that don't bring glory to you. Father, change that in me. If you don't know how to do that, I want you to lift up your hands because God is going to show you how to do that today. If you're a believer that says, I want to do things his way, not my way, I want you to raise your hand because the Lord is going to do something in your heart. Father God, I pray right now with every hand raised, Lord Jesus, you have called them out of the darkness and into the light. You've called them to plow, to seed, to water. But guess what? The, the harvest is yours, Lord Jesus. The harvest is yours. You didn't call us to harvest at all. You called us to work in the field. You called us to do the work of the ministry, Lord Jesus. Each and every individual in this room is called to the field. Father, And I pray right now that you would move inside each person's heart. Those that are saying, God, I, I want to do your will, not my will. Father God, thank you for the fact that you have actually given many gifts to people in this room, and those gifts have yet to be activated because they have not been putting it in the right place. But today, the Lord is saying, today I'm going to make that straight, that path straight. I'm going to align the gift that I gave you to my will, says the Lord. You will walk in my authority. You will do the things that you were called to do from a young person to today. The Lord says, I have great love for you. You don't earn that love. You only walk in it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For the fathers in this house, Father, I pray that, God, the way you love Jesus, Father, let us love our, our kids. Do you realize, church, that there were people, sorry, there were times when Jesus went away to be with the Father. How many of you dads have taken your sons out? I don't care how old you are. How many times have you taken your son out and talked with him about the Lord? You shared with them your faith. Moms, same thing. The Lord gave me a vision many, many years ago, and that was a vision of a dad on his knees in his living room on a carpet. You know those nasty little shag carpets? 
the Lord showed me that carpet began to burn. It began to burn a ring of fire and it began to spread. And then all of a sudden the guy was in the house and the entire house was aflame. Yet he was not touched. And the Lord said, the Lord showed me fire, 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 fire all over the state of New Hampshire. And the Lord said, this is what I'm doing with the men of my church. I am starting the fire in their hearts and it will spread through their family and they will lead their family into the promises of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For each person that's in this room and the gift that you've called them to, Father God, I activate it in the spirit right now. Jesus, we repent before you for our own ways, using the gifts in the wrong way. Holy Jesus. We thank you, mighty God. We thank you for the time that we had here today to worship in your presence. If you are here and you still need prayer, I want you to come up and the prayer team and elders can come up and pray for people. If God is saying in your heart that I need prayer because I've been stuck in this place, not knowing what seeds I'm even planting, I want you to come up and and ask for prayer. If you need to repent before a brother or sister of sin that has just weighed you down, I want you to go up to one of these people and I want you to connect with them and pray. let them pray for you and I want you to repent before him. Before the Lord. He is good. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray, we're going to close, we're going to let parents go get their kids, and we really apologize for the time. It's okay. Father God, we just thank you so much for what you did today, for the worship. Lord God, for your presence, your, your, your voice speaking to us, the people that you love, your children. We ask that people are encouraged to walk out with a sense of, of purpose that they were created and put here in this room to do for you. Let them not struggle in their mind or in their flesh, but God, they would submit to the Spirit of God right here. And God, make that clear to them, Lord Jesus, today. Bring people into their lives today that you have called them to influence for you widen, broaden the circle of their influence. Hallelujah. Thank you for this time and the honor it is to bring your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.